Hot Springs Village Inside Out is a closer look at the greatness of Hot Springs Village, Arkansas and the surrounding areas, people, places, experiences. Hot Springs Village is one of the most beautiful places on earth. Join me, Randy Cantrell, and my co-host Dennis Simpson as we engage in weekly conversations to explore Hot Springs Village Inside Out. Today's show is brought to you by Central Arkansas's favorite radio station, KVRE. Find them on the dial at 92.9 FM. Stream them live at kvre.com. Remax of Hot Springs Village. The award-winning Remax of Hot Springs Village is the largest real estate office inside the village with over 30 full-time agents and support staff. Visit them to learn more about this beautiful place to solve your real estate needs. Call them today at 1-800-364-9007. Find them online at explorehsv.com. They are Remax of Hot Springs Village at 1-800-364-9007 or online at explorehsv.com. Ike Eisenhower State Farm. Ike and his award-winning team have been serving the insurance needs of folks all around Hot Springs Village since 1998. Ike has qualified for State Farm's President's Club, Chairman's Circle, and Hot Springs Village Insurance Agent of the Year. Call Ike Eisenhower State Farm today at 501-984-4100. That's 501-984-4100. Find them online at IkeEisenhower.net. Call them today for all your insurance needs because, like a good neighbor, Ike Eisenhower State Farm is there. With another episode of Hot Springs Village Inside Out, myself, and you know, it's wonderful to have great friends. Jerry Garganius, how are you doing, my friend? Doing good, Dennis. Good to see you again. Good to see you. We see each other. Hadn't seen each other in years, but we see each other now. And and to those of you that know Gar, and that's, uh, that's what everybody knows him as, is Gar. And you know, a South Arkansas term is a Gar, but Garganius is a Greek. What is it? It is Greek, Dennis. So, wow. So, Jerry, let, let's set this up. You're in Pine Bluff. You're not in Pine Bluff. You've worked in Pine Bluff for a long time. You were a fireman and then became a fire investigator. And, you know, we, we've unfortunately had some fires here in the village lately, and I wanted to talk with you about how, what an inspector sees. But, you know, Jerry, last time you were over at my house in love, you looked at me square in the eye and you said, Dennis, you need more fire. You need more smoke detectors. They need a new smoke detector. And I mean, this is it's not just a job for you. This is what you really you're, you're concerned about fire prevention. Right, Jerry? Well, Dennis, it's not just me. I think any fireman, I think they start with fire prevention, you know, and fire safety because, you know, we see the big red trucks, you know, and all the, you know, the the water and the hoses and all that stuff. But it all, all starts with fire prevention, you know, because if we can prevent a fire from happening, then we don't have to do that because when a fire happens, Dennis, you know as well as me, that's probably the worst day of someone's life. You know, yeah. pro- properties being lost, you know, and possibly lives. Uh, you know, it's just a, it's just destruction that, you know, hopefully no one ever has to go through. 
Well, you guys, you guys literally see that on a daily basis. So, you know, it's, it's easy to be more in oriented toward prevention when you see what the end result can be, you know, it, uh, I can imagine driving an ambulance and, and knowing, Hey, and probably not a good idea to smoke, you know, <laughs> you're picking up smokers all the time, you know, but let me go back to that just for a sec, Jerry, for prevention and actually for, for, uh, for firemen, I can see where prevention is is more the way. But you know, Jerry, you told me one time um, that if a fire part, fire department pulls up at your site and they don't have it completely out in fifteen minutes, you got a real problem. I mean, it, that that's it, they usually can knock it out or not. Is that about right? I think that's a good point, Dennis. You know, they uh, they they train a lot. You know, they uh, go to school. They got really really have state of the art equipment anymore. You know, uh, technology has helped us a lot. And you're right, Dennis. If if you know when you jump on a fire with the equipment you got and everything works as it should, uh, you're going to knock a, a a normal house fire out really quick. You know, so. Well, what do you see? What What's the most common source of, of ignition? I mean, what is it? What, what, obviously we need a smoke detector. I'll tell you what, let's actually, actually, let's dive in even deeper, Jerry, since I've got you here. What kind of smoke detectors are there? Okay, Dennis, that's a great question. Because the other thing about it is, is we go back to common sense a lot of times, but still we even go back to the, the grade school level. You probably remember in school, you know, where the fireman came, you know, and taught you how to stop, drop and roll. Mm-hmm. All the things like that. The firemen still do that. We still do it annually, Dennis. Uh, and and one of the reasons for that was because of the fire in Chicago. And I think it was 1870 or 1871. They called it the Great Fire in Chicago. Over 300 lives were lost. This is actually, you know, what what you know. It was a uh, just a, a just a freak thing. You know, the Midwest had a dry condition that time. A fire started, and it, the winds and everything just overwhelmed their resources and uh you know 300 lives lost and stuff and it actually happened i think it was on october 8th and october 8th now the week of that october is now what has become fire prevention week in the united states really well and uh, so the old the old phrase mrs o'leary's cow or whatever but it uh, you know it, it burned hundreds hundreds of blocks and then literally made its own inferno and started sucking air up inside of it and i mean by that time it's not a 15 minute job it's just we just have to just wait till the devastation ends right dennis they actually you know i i, I actually re uh reiterated or researched <coughs> a little bit some on it last night there was actually i think the fire burnt for over 36 hours and actually a rain a, a, a cool front came in and rain helped put the fire out or it might've gone a whole lot longer, right? It had overwhelmed their resources. You know? Well, no, back to the smoke detector. There's, and I'm, I'm so naive here, but there's like smoke detectors that see particles between the, the electrons, you know, it's got a little light. And then there's others that are like pre ozone or it, it smells yeah. when the fire is kind of going, what, what are those and what do we need? Yeah, there's different kinds, Dennis, but your main thing is to have a smoke detector. You know, uh, you know, the the different kinds of stuff. I'm not as versed maybe as I as I probably should be on that, but the main thing is have one. And you know, have one outside every living quarters in your house, you know. If you're in multi-level uh structures, you know, make sure you have them on all the levels, you know, where they can be heard. Test them often and change the batteries, you know, at least twice a year. Test them at least once a month and uh, change the battery twice a year. But Dennis, another thing, 
in Pine Bluff, and I'm sure a lot of cities have had the same uh, opportunities. We had partnered with the American Red Cross here in Pine Bluff, and they provided us smoke detectors to give to the citizens of Pine Bluff. For free? And what they had at that time, Dennis, uh, and I've been retired for four years now, but at the time, they were providing us with 10-year smoke detectors. It's just unheard of. 10-year so, battery in the smoke detector? 10-year life of a smoke detector. You put them up and call me back in 10 years, Dennis. Wow. It was just, it was just a really a wow moment. And so, uh, like I say, I don't can't speak for all uh, jurisdictions and stuff, but in Pine Bluff, you know, they had that opportunity, and all they had to do is call the local fire department, you know, we would come out and install it for them, you know. And uh, like I said, you know, call us back in 10 years. You know, you still want to come by, you know, and do your monthly checks, you know to make it work and stuff, but in 10 year batteries uh, life. Well, and let's go back to this, Jerry. So you, you were a fireman, how many years? Uh, 32. 32. And they only had to drag your uh, unconscious ass out of there. How many times? Once, yeah, one time. <laughs> once was good for you, right? That, that, that taught me that Dennis, that, you know, all this stuff that they train us for is things like that, you know, it is real and it can't happen to anybody. Yeah. And even after, I mean, you, I, the last time I, well, you'd been there 25 or, or 30 years when this happened, right? I mean, you've been there a long time. Six years. Yeah. So it, it, it's not a, oh, we're getting big macho, da, 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 da. It's a real take your life in your hands job, right? It is, Dennis. And what the point you're talking about at that time, you know, is, uh, is I was in a structure, you know, and, uh, and I got disoriented because, you know, you know, I didn't have a GPS. Well, it's and, black and smoky and you can't see anything, right? Smoky, yes. And I realized my air was running low. And uh, so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm still looking for a way out. And what had happened, you know, in, in, you know, retrospect, you know, the door that I came in had gotten shut. And so, you know, I was looking for an open door and it wasn't there. And so at that point, uh, I actually ran out of air because there is only a certain amount that you got. And uh, so through training, and the equipment we had, Dennis, I was able to call for a mayday. I did not want to do that because that's one of the last things a fireman wants to do because we are macho, you know, we're we're above that. Don't but, need no help. Don't need no help. But the mayday is I need help. And uh, so I called for mayday and the fireman on the scene knew exactly what to do. And I was out of there. I had already passed out by the time they found me, but I think it was probably within three minutes of when I could make the call that I was outside. And, and I can't imagine, I mean, Jerry, for you, there was an adrenaline rush for them. There was an adrenaline rush just trying to, this is, you know, nobody heals Mayday until it's dire, dire, right? That's right. And, you know, and I actually may have put it off, uh, maybe 30 seconds long, too long, you know, because, you know, if I'd have done it before that mask sucked to my face, you know, I may have been a little better, but like you said, you know, no, no, not me, man, not me, you know, but well, Jerry, uh, and and tell us, and I apologize for interrupting there, but tell us, n- number one, what's the most common cause of fire? And number two, I, this is fascinating to me, Jerry. And I, when you were an investigator, I just, I know I wore you out with questions, but I just, it's fascinating to me what agency takes over, who's in charge, who does all that. But, but first off, what's the, what's the number one thing we need to watch for grease cooking fires. We need to watch for electrical. What, what's the most common thing? Well, Dennis, actually cooking is is the number one uh, leading cause of fire. And and the reason for that, Dennis, is a lot of times it's uh, non-attended 
cooking, you know. So, you know, there's always, you know, someone comes up with these neat little sayings about this to kind of keep in your mind right there. Mm -hmm. But uh, one of the phrases there with the cooking fire, Dennis, it says, uh, keep an eye on what you fry. You know, how how clean is that, man? That, you know, don't go in here, you turn the pot on and go in here, you know, and start watching television, you know. And, you know, then you... You hear the smoke alarm going off, you know, a few minutes later, and like, whoa, what is that noise? You know, and you know, and, you know, possibly, you know, uh, at least burnt the hot dogs up for sure, and, <laughs> you know, and and may have may have even, uh, you know, expanded to worse. So, well, know. it's funny you should say that because uh, since you and I talked a few weeks ago, and we talked about you being on the show here, we've actually had another fire, unfortunately, here in the village, and, and total loss, and it. Uh, it was because somebody was cooking on the stove, turned around, walked off for a few minutes, came back, and it was fully engaged. And and I, I think it was a she. I don't know. It could have been a he. Uh, had a grease fire, tried to take a cloth and beat it out, tried to whatever, got significant burns. The, the cat actually perished in the whole thing. I mean, the building was roaring in just minutes. Now, the fire department was two blocks, three blocks from there. And man, they were there in minutes, but it was still a complete and total gut and the unit beside it. And Jerry, you know, for those of us that thank you, Jesus, don't have fires on a regular occasion. The one thing when I went by, it was one of our THA units, our townhome units. So I went by and just wanted to see what the conditions were. And I don't think I'll ever forget the smell, Jerry. It just never goes away, does it? It don't, Dennis. And yeah, it's, 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 it. You just almost can just relate it to unfortunate circumstance because nothing good came out of it for sure. Yeah. uh, When you smell that smell, you know, nothing's happened well, right? Exactly. Exactly. But like you said, like you just mentioned, though, uh, yeah, unattended cooking, you know, would be one of the leading causes. And then we can get on in in back in that into fire safety at your home is uh, have a home fire extinguisher, Dennis, you know, uh, like I said, beating it out with the the rag is just most likely not going to work. You know, it's gonna it's gonna spread it because you know now you're fanned it. You know, uh, a fire is just exactly like a human, Dennis. And I know you've never thought of it like this. You know, you're like a walking fire. But uh, you know, a fire has to have 16% oxygen to survive, just like a human. Really? You know, that's that's what a human body requires to survive. So you know, if if it don't have 16% of oxygen. It, it smothers out just like we do. So if you had a grease fire right there and you had the lid of it, Dennis, you put the lid on it and leave it alone. Just keep it on it till it smothers the fire out. It's going to take the oxygen out of it and it's going to smother it out. But if you had a fire extinguisher handy, you know, and you, you learned how to use it, Dennis, it's a really, really simple thing to use. But sometimes a fire extinguisher is heavier for some people, you know, so make sure you have one that you can handle and control. Uh, but we got an acronym called, it's called PASS. Pretty simple, pretty straightforward, you know, and easy to remember. If you've ever noticed a fire extinguisher, they have a little retaining pin on them to keep the handle from being pushed and discharged, you know, when it's not needed. Hmm. So, you know, and they're usually uh, retained by a little bit of plastic clip, you know, or something. Well, you want PASS would be pull you'd twist and pull that pin out of the fire extinguisher and then you'd aim it at the base of the fire Hmm. and then S you'd squeeze the handle. And then the final S there would be sweep it from side to side at the base of the fire. And Dennis, the fire will will 
if it's if it's within reason, you know, fire extinguishers only have their limits too, depending on their size. So, you know, if it's within its limits right there, it could very well put the fire out. But here's another thing, Dennis. <laughs> you know, or another acronym that we use there. If in doubt, just get out. I mean, you know, these things are really straightforward and easy to remember. So if if you can't handle it, get out, Dennis. Life safety is the number one priority, you know. The companies and all the other things, you know, they'll they'll do the uh, do the rest of it, you know, at the end of the day. But you know, uh get out, you know, your life, your family's life and everything is the main concern. Well, two two things. Two things come to mind, and I'm, I'm I'm dropping out just a little, so I'm sorry if I'm losing you. Are you back, Jerry? Yeah, that may be my problem. Okay, okay, okay I got you. <clears throat> well, Jerry, uh, you know we have we have we have short term rentals here in the village, and uh, at our short term rentals, uh-huh. I have these little uh, fire extinguisher cans. They're little tubes of fire extinguisher, and there's not a whole lot of them. But but what I'm doing is, is I want to make sure that those are available and easy to get to. Uh, because, you know, having a fire extinguisher that's tucked under the key, under the sink way back up in the corner that nobody knows where to grab when there's an emergency doesn't do us any good either. What about those little cans? Do they do any good? Yeah. You know, Dennis, I'm not really familiar with what you're talking about at this point, but, you know, yeah, I'm sure it's in FPA approved, you know, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so, uh, you know, they, I, I, like I said, I guess my knowledge of, of what you're talking about may not be real clear at this point, but, uh, you know, I would think it'd be better than nothing. Well, like it's a, said, it's a, you know, if it's, it's out, a, if it gets, I'm, I'm sorry, it's an aerosol can, maybe twice the size of a, of a hairspray can. Uh, uh-huh. but, uh, you know, I, I, and to be frank, I've never used it. So it'd be a good thing to test, wouldn't you think? Well, you know, you'd be surprised. But yes, I think a lot of times you're right. Dennis. you know, we have this fire extinguisher tucked under the thing that's, you know, been there for years, you know. And uh, I know that I have one here at home, too. And a guy that I actually worked at a fire extinguisher place told me from one time, you know, he said, yeah, he said, just pick it up every now and then and just shake it, you know. Upside down, shake it, you know, he said, because all that stuff is in there, you know, and then it could, you know, it, it may not expel when needed because, you know, a fire extinguisher, we hoped it, it, it just, it's kind of like the, uh, you know, the wall art, Dennis, that's just where it stays, you know, yeah, we don't yeah. ever really plan to use it. You know? And uh, so, yeah. Well, we would never want to. I, I tell you what, and and we need to wrap up here in a minute, Jerry. Thank you again, and I'm sorry it's been a, a chaotic morning and we're having a little technology issue here. But uh, let's go back to you, you're you're a fire investigator, and you're on call. How does this work? You you go you go from being a a a a, a, a fireman that you've done for 25 years or whatever, 26 years, and then you move up to to a, an inspector. What do you look for? What do you see? What's your job? Well, Dennis, you know, you're right. And these are great questions. And everything does change a little bit from, from thing to thing. But, you know, a fire, you know, and, and uh, you know, it, it actually, it gives you a patterns, you know, because a fire, just like I said a while ago, it, it has to have fuel and it has to have oxygen and everything to burn. So when a fire is set, it's going to it's gonna go for the fuel, Dennis. It's going to go for whatever else will burn. So you will be able to see a starting point to the fire, you know, which is just unbelievable. But, you know, one of these days, maybe me and you can sit down, you know, and, and go through some pictures of fire, uh, 
fire patterns and stuff like this. And, you know, like if you see it on the wall, you'll be like, well, I can see it because it actually they're generally a V pattern, you know, because what it's doing, it started down here at the bottom and it's it's trying to find more fuel, Dennis. So it's it's in search of oxygen and fuel. So it actually is pointing to where it just started, you know, a lot of times. So and, and then, you know, yeah, it it expands from there, you know, and everything, you know, and you see at some point, you know, the whole room may be. But still, that one point generally is going to come right back to that, you know, so. So it, it literally uh, tells a story is what I'm hearing. It really does tell a story. It's a great way to put it, Dennis. Uh, well, and, and you told a story, and I, I don't want to steal your thunder, but I really want you to tell the story, if you would. You told a story about a gentleman that uh, all the, the power was turned off in his house, but still it burned down. And and if you would, and we don't want to mention any names, but you were the police chief on duty or the the the, the chief on duty was just confident something had happened. And you kind of went in and, and re-engineered and figured out what happened. Tell, tell that story if you would. Well, Dennis, and you're right. I remember the story we were talking about, and it was, it was, uh, I'd gotten called to a, a fire that they had had a fire about two weeks before that. And so they called me out here on the second fire. They didn't call me on the first one because they had decided on what they, they thought it may have been uh, due to cigarette smoke and unattended cigarette smoke. And uh, so they didn't call me on that. But now all of a sudden, about two weeks later, they have another fire at this resident. Same and residence. I, same resident. Uh, so when I get on the scene, the uh, the fire captain that was on the scene, he told me uh, the situation. He said, hey, we was here two weeks ago, had a fire. There's no power at the house. We, uh, you know, this fire started over here this time, you know, burnt the whole floor out, you know. He, you know, he, he was really, really strong, and it was an intentionally set fire. And so, you know. Well, I, I heard him, you know, and I took that a note of that, you know, and then so as I went to investigate, now I'm talking to the occupant of the house, you know, he still lived on the property, not in the property, but he actually had a storage building close to the building. And he said he has been living in that storage building. And uh, and so we had talked stuff and he said, yeah, he'd come home from work one night and he had uh, he saw some people coming out of the house, you know, some juveniles, you know, and so. He said, you know, well, people, they know that, you know, nothing's going on here and stuff. So he had gotten a drop light from his from his shop that he was living in, that he still had electricity in that. And he ran his drop light to the house and hooked it in there in the kitchen and turned the light on where it looked like the, the house was still occupied and stuff. Sure, yeah. That sound like a great plan. Well... Uh, as we talked and stuff like this, and I had asked him, you know, where this was and it says, so I'm going in the house, you know, to check, you know, back, you know, to uh, back up his story. And uh, it wasn't there. And I, and so I go back and talk to him again. I'm like, where, where did you say the light was? And we talked about it. What kind of light was it and everything else? And uh, he told me, and I'm like, I'm not finding it. So anyway, I went outside and I actually, you know, uh, found the extension cord that was used to it. Uh, coming from his place and then it was going to the house and I, I come and tracked it up the back door. Well, the fire had done destroyed the insulation on it. So, but the copper was still there. So now I'm just following the copper wire and follow the copper wire straight to the hole in the floor. It was on a raised foundation, you know, wooden floor and stuff. And I'd asked him, I said, what kind of, uh, what kind of drop line do you have? He said, 150 watt non-condensable. And I said, wow, that puts out a lot of heat. And so 
in my mind, what we created, Dennis, is where he had hung the light in the kitchen where it would appear someone was there. The intruders had came in his house, used that light to walk around his house and see what they wanted to take and took what they wanted. And then they laid the light down on the car, uh, the carpeted floor or rug, you know, and it heated up the rug and burnt the rug, the floor, and looked like an intensely set fire. And it was not an intensely set fire, Dennis. It was uh, one of those things. <laughs> Unbelievable. And, and I, in my mind, you know, I'm hearing, and, and I don't mean this wrong, Jerry, and this is not, this is not about Pine Bluff. I'm hearing you tell me that there was a guy that had a house that he turned electricity off in his house, and then he moved to a shed, and then he ran the power cord over to make it look... You must see all kinds. And I don't, and to my point, to my point, you must walk in million dollar mansions that are on fire. You must walk in sheds that are on fire and you have to determine where the fire came from in either one. Right. That That's exactly right, Dennis. And, uh, you know, I think maybe we talked about it before, you know, when someone has insurance on the house, uh, you know, uh, if you had insurance on your house, you know, the insurance people, they've got their own fire investigators on staff. Oh, so they don't just take your report. They send their own people. They do not take my report. You know, my report Ooh. and their report is supposed to be, you know, uh, in, you know, independent of each other. Hmm. You know, they do when they come to town a lot of time, they will, they will call me, you know, and, and they will actually interview me because I've been actually as a witness too. you know, what did you see? What did you see when you got there? What was going on? You know, uh, yeah. what was people's reactions and, and everything that I would ask, on my first, uh, you know, uh, arrival at a scene. Uh, so they would interview me and they would get my, my, what, what I saw and what I heard and uh, what I did. And then they would add that to their investigation also. So, yeah. And, uh, yes, then our, our investigation would be independent of each other, but yes, they don't just take my word. So, yeah. Well, they should, they know you, Jerry, you're a good guy. They should just let you I well, thought, hey, y'all can go home now. Yeah. No. $3 million structure fire. Oh, Jerry did it. Oh, come on. We trust him. Come on. <laughs> These guys that I've met, though, Dennis, and I'm going to tell you, just without uh, without even thinking, some of the best I'd ever seen. Really? These guys. Most of the time, like I said, they had came from fire departments. They had done this, you know, uh, at the fire department level for years, and then they finally got into the, uh, you know, working you know off the fire department scene but in the same capacity so wow but hey and here's where i want to go from this because this is just the fascinating part to me jerry so <clears throat> you do these investigations you see how the things line up so jerry if i was a fire investigator it's an eight to five job monday through friday right yeah, yeah, sure. Right? No, no. And, you know, when we were hanging out and we had the chance and you were working, we had the chance. I was always fascinated at what your schedule was. Now, you know that you're going to be on, what, Saturday duty? How does this even work? Well, Dennis, now, you know, I can't speak for all the things, but in Pine Bluff, we had three investigators, you know. So what we did is we we worked on a weekly basis, you know, and we would alternate, you know, a week at a time. So, you know. But that, that's 24-7, right? 24-7, Dennis, you know, they give you a neat little phone and stuff, you know, and uh, they, they, yeah. They can so they can track you? <laughs> they, they can get a hold of you anytime in that, in that uh, seven-day period, you know, so, yeah. So what and would I, the typical shift be like? I mean, you would, 
would you, you you'd have a, a week. So Sunday to next Sunday, next Sunday to next Saturday is going to be your shift. And I, I'm losing you there, Jerry. I'm sorry. We may have a, a call. Are you, are, are you there? It does, it does change, you know, all the time. There's really not a, an atypical type thing, you know. But I mean, you go to, you go to the office and you basically sit and wait for a fire or what do you do? Do you stay at home till they call or what? Well, no, Dennis, you know, you know, in, in my capacity, though, I was actually the fire and life safety educator, too. So, yeah, I uh, coordinated with schools and things like this, because like we mentioned already, fire prevention is the number one goal of all firemen. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that, that was really a big deal. So, you know, we, we schedule uh, talks, safety talks and things like this. Uh, we would we would in time love. We would go out and actually put on fire extinguisher classes and things like this. We had a neat little. Uh, a uh, piece of equipment that if it didn't use the uh, actual thing, so there wasn't a fire, but you know, we could, uh, it would be like we would spray water into a controlled place, you know, so it, it, uh, it gave the people the feel of the fire extinguisher and stuff like that. You know, hmm. it was a good to get people, you know, some people, you know, had never actually picked up a fire extinguisher. They were most of the time surprised by the weight and stuff like this, you know, yeah. Just, just try to give them some pointers on how to safely use one. Well, and I'm, what I'm trying to do is, and I want to, I want to get a feel for, you know, there's not five fires a day, and they not a, a lot of them happen Monday through Friday or whatever. But I mean, if, if you had mentioned one time, I think you had mentioned one time that <clears throat> in a 24 hour period you had four fires. You went from fire to fire to fire to fire to fire, and there's nobody backing you up unless I, I don't know. How does that work? Well, you know, you're right, Dennis, and, you know, that don't happen every day, thank goodness. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but, you know, now, some of those things that we talked about, you know, they they were kind of right there, you know, and it did spread out to the point, you know, to where, you know, I could handle it. But if I couldn't remember, we had two other guys, too, you know, and, and they would step up, you know. I mean, they were always, you know, if you need them, in any case, you know, if there was mm-hmm. something in the fire that I was already on, you know, I use them, too, as a resource, too. Hey, what do you think about this? Or, hey, you got time to come over here and look at this, you know? And, I mean, uh, every, every, every farmer that I've ever met just always was uh, eager to, you know, uh, you know, give uh, assistance. In, in- Pitch in and help. Well, well, let me let me go through this. So, I can imagine, and I'm just, I'm hypothetical, probably more fires on the weekend. Yeah, no, I, I, I never took a fold, Dennis. It just, you know, I just waited to the next Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, my point being, there's a Friday night fire. The fire starts at 545. The fire department's on site by 6 o'clock. You're on site by, and you stay till, what's what's just the average? Well, you know, uh, you know, what you do, Dennis, you, you know, when you get on the scene, you know, you obviously got to uh, talk to the people around. Uh, talk to the fireman. What did you see? What did you do when you get here? Uh, talk to any witnesses. Who called it in? How did anyone, you know, how did the fire department get notified of this, you know? And just start right there at the very ground level, you know? And then, you know, when you finally get in, you know, you know, you talk to all the witnesses that ever seen anything, called it in, what did you see? Where was the fire? How did it progress, you know? And, uh, you know, then when you finally go in, you, you back their statements up with what you do see and stuff like this. And then, you know, at the end of it, you know, you take samples of of anything. If you think there's a suspicious fire, you know, 
uh, you know, you take samples and in Pine Bluff, you know, we send them to the state crime lab, you know, for uh, they they would give you the, uh, you know, did you have an ignitable uh, liquid or, or or something like that, you know, mm -hmm. and so then you'd you'd photograph the whole area right there, you know. So after you 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 photographed everything, you know, that's for your, uh, you know, when you go back, you know, and stuff, uh, you know, you're like, okay, you know, this is the photos. And did they actually remind me one time? And there's always something going to remind me of something else. But I had had a fire one time and went over there and, and took photos and stuff. And it was probably two or three weeks later, I heard this uh, the address again on the radio. One, one day they had another fire at that. And I just, I remember that address. I thought, huh. Well, I was not on call that week, but the other fire marshal, fire marshal number two, he was on call that week. And I called him and I told him, I said, hey, I said, I remember this address. I had a fire here a couple of weeks ago. I said, do you mind if I go back over there? You know, because I've got the pictures. I know what the fire was like. Now you have two fires. So you're not really going to know which fire you're going to be investigating right now, you know, because I'm sure it didn't start in the exact same spot. So I knew where the first fire started, what damage it did. I had photos of the whole area. And uh, he said, yeah, that'd be great. You know, so I did that. And uh, in, in my photos, Dennis, that I photoed everything the first time, I photoed everything the second time, I found a beer can on the counter. And I, I, I was looking at my photos, comparing them. I'm like, huh, this is the same counter. Here's a beer can. So I talked to the homeowner. I said, has anyone been in here? You know, nope. No one's supposed to be in here. No one been drinking. So this beer can is nothing belongs to you. And he said, no, it wasn't. So... We collected it, sent it to the Crown Lab, got, got DNA off of it, Dennis, and they come up with a name. A DNA off of a beer can. Really? In, in, a, in, a, in a fire that had been, uh, it, was a, it was an abandoned house, and it had, uh, uh, had been had two fires now. So they actually picked the guy up, Dennis. You know, they, we put out a bolo on him, be on the lookout, and they actually, you know, uh, you know found him. You know, here, here, you know, bam, they brought him in, Dennis. And come to find out, Dennis, he was a construction worker that the guy had hired. He didn't know he had been in there drinking beer, <laughs> but he about went to jail over that, Dennis. <laughs> oh, so, my Lord. So he didn't, uh, he, he was not the guy that, that may have set the fire, but uh, unbeknownst to the guy that owned the house, this guy had been in there drinking beer, and it, it just so the moral of the story is, is get your DNA off your beer can before you throw it away, right? As far as, as, far as we can with these things. So, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah there, there's generally a story behind every fire. You know, there's nothing typical. <clears throat> well, you know, Jerry, I, there's, there's pros and cons to every job. I got it. I understand. I think for me, and I'm just trying to put myself in your place for a minute, you never meet, I never, uh, 32 years, you might've met somebody who had a fire and was just, Oh, it's a, okay. It's a, yeah, yeah, just kind of a good day. Yeah, it's okay. It's, it's like you say, it's probably the worst day of their life. Right. Exactly. Dennis. And you know, all those things like that, like you said, you know, when you do see someone like that, you have to kind of wonder why, because, you know, like I say, who can just lost, uh, like I said, their home mostly is their most valued place, you know. Right. Uh, you shouldn't so, be happy, right? Yeah, yeah, you're usually not happy. So, you know, all those things, 
you know, would start that investigation kind of even right there, you know, hey, you know, this guy show the usual, you know, you know, uh, type of, you know, emotion for this situation, you know, I mean, you know. Does that go in your report, I'm assuming? Well, you know, yeah, you would, uh, yeah. And, and, you know, a lot of times when you do that, you know, you may want to re-interview them, you know, at, at mm-hmm. another time. Because like you say, some people are are a little different, Dennis, you know, and, you know, you might even find out, you know, is this their, talk to someone else, is that their natural demeanor, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, because I've generally never met this guy before, you know, maybe, maybe nothing does bother him, you know? <laughs> Maybe he's just smile. Maybe he's smiling like Jerry Garganius nine times out of ten. Maybe that's what it is. That would do bad. Be the true test, though. Would it? <laughs> well, Jerry, I tell you what, our, we've run out of time today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for joining us. It uh, great seeing you again. And we're gonna have to have y'all back out to the house soon. Okay. Let's do it, man. All right. Thanks, Jerry. We'll talk to you soon. Hope we made a difference today, Dennis. Thank you, Jerry. Thanks for watching and listening to Hot Springs Village Inside Out, a weekly podcast starring Hot Springs Village, Arkansas. Visit the website at hotspringsvillageinsideout.com.